Welcome to Superlative. I am your podcast host, Ariel Adams. In each episode, you will meet someone who has inspired or takes inspiration from today's wristwatch industry. Every week, let's dive deep into the world of crafting exotic timepieces from the people who dream them up to the people who dream of them. It's time to get started and meet today's guest. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Marie-Laure Trichard. She is the Global Marketing and Communication Director of Bell & Ross in Paris. Marie-Laure, welcome. Thank you, Ariel. I'm very glad to be with you today. I am also excited to speak with you because Bell & Ross has been a brand that I have been looking at for a very long time. Before I started um, a blog to watch, before I was it all involved in the watch industry. I was a watch lover. And Bell & Ross, um, in the early 2000s, was the brand that really captured my attention. Um, I, of course, found them beautiful. I, of course, later learned a lot more about them. But, you know, and I'm just trying to paint a little scene for everyone uh, more than 20, you know, more than 20 years ago now. In the late 1990s, Bell & Ross was produced by Zinn. Um, a couple of smart guys in, in France who uh, had a good design sensibility, new watches, went to the German watchmakers in and said, hey, make some watches for us. And that's actually how the brand got started. A few years after that, they decided to take their success and make their own watches. And ever since then, they've been a very interesting type of watch brand, which has tried to pull inspiration from all over the place, um, as well as one of the few watch brands that has um, a real sense of in-house design, not just in, in-house watch design, but in terms of branding and things like that. Um, I've gotten to know Carlos Rocio, who's the co-founder, um, as, as, as well as uh, many others on the team over the years. Um, and it's, it's a brand that just has so many good stories with it. Maybe I'll ask you, Marie-Laure, what initially attracted you to the Bell & Ross company? The uniqueness of the of the brand, you know, when I I dive into it, it's really, you know, it's really so because you say, you know, there are lots of inspiration, but the key inspiration about the brand is really this uh, main universe, you know, and mainly about aviation and all this uh, military background and. And when you look at the brand, there is this very strong consistency, you know, in, in the, in the brand uh, story, in the brand image. And I'm very sensitive, you know, to, uh, to the brand and uh, the uniqueness. And that's what I like to work on. So, um, so that's really what attracted me, you know, like uh, at first, you know, like uh, joining Bananas. Now, there's something about Paris, French, of course, in general, but Paris, which knows how to make brands. Many places know how to make good products and, and, you know, good designs. But there's something about Paris where people there understand almost implicitly what makes a good brand. And I'm just curious from your perspective, how what is the Parisian definition of a luxury brand? Ah, That's a very, uh, very good question. You know, uh, I would say it's a mix of uh, a strong uh, DNA uniqueness with a very much focus on details, consistency as a brand story and a lot of creativity as well. It's also a lot of imagery, isn't it? I noticed yeah. that, you know, uh, visual merchandising is is a term which, of course, is very popular in, in, in Paris. And that is essentially the look and feel of a store. But the extension, the advertising, 
the the websites. Bell and Ross, I think, compared to many other companies, has always had so much more of an emphasis on on the visuals. Is that just a Paris thing? Is that related to Carlos, um, you know, or and, and other uh, other founding uh, people there? Uh, talk a little bit about the emphasis on the visuals as much as the product itself. Yeah, I think you know that's uh, really from the. Uh, the birth of the brand, because, you know, like it's Carlos and Bruno and Bruno actually yeah. is a designer. He's the one yes. uh, on the one side designing the, the, you know, the watch, but as well is a creative director. So he has a very clear idea on the brand expression. Of course, it does evolve over time, you know, because it's a link, you know, like to the, uh, to, you know, like to the time. But that's really something, you know, that is central to him and he's, you know, like the, in a way, you know, would say the brand owner, the person who is, has really all that uh, in mind and is very uh, focused, you know, on details and how the brand should express. And you will find, you know, like this idea of uh, uh, being you know, like minimalist and modern, viril, all these things, you know, like the mix of design yet with this aviation inspiration. And that's a mix of all of that, that, that has been very consistent over time and very, um, and he's, he has a very high enter at attention into details. And I think that what does make, you know, like the, the brand, uh, you know, like, so unique and so consistent as well is that because, you know, since the beginning, you know, you have the same person who has been driving the brand image and that's uh, quite uh, unusual in our days, I would say. I want to tell a little story because I remember the first time that Carlos told me this story and I think it actually makes a lot of sense for the discussion we're having about the formation of the brand and this sense of aesthetic. So Carlos Rocio, as you said, is the sort of business mind and, and Bruno Bellamich is the, is the designer. And the name of the brand, Bell and Ross, Bell from Bellamich and Ross from Rocio, is, is part of that. And then the logo, where you have the Bell and Ross term with the and in the middle, and it actually is meant to look like a watch, or even the B from Bell is meant to be like the the you know the 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 pin at the end buckle at the end of the strap and there's this almost insane actually amount of focus on this consistency and 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 creating the look and feel of the brand as well as the product and again from the beginning you could see these little details. I'm sure there's other little details uh, that maybe I haven't even noticed. Any come to mind? Yes. Yeah, so what's and what is uh, you know like very interesting about this name is on the one side you have you know like uh, this uh, name that sounds and looks timeless and sometimes people you know like I've met you know people who didn't really know the birth of the brand and they were thinking you know that uh, that was you know like an American brand so it looks like. That's something interesting because what's sometimes a bit of a challenge with, you know, French brands is that they have a French pronunciation, which can be a very big challenge traveling around the world. And yeah. here with the Bell and Ross, actually, you know, it's uh, it sounds, you know, very international. So you have on the one side, you know, the, the French background imagery, but on the other side, you know, the traveling name, you know, and you start, you know, even we know is my name, for instance, which is kind of a challenge to travel, you know. No, it, but it's it's a smart thing to do. I mean, Rolex, uh, in a little bit different way, is the same thing. It was a term that Hans Wilbdorf came up with to sound good, as you said, in uh, multiple languages, so it could be easily pronounced. I mean, I think this this shows a little bit how even from the beginning, 
Carlos and Bruno were thinking about what we call now a 360 approach, right? Not just a nice product, but the logo, the look and feel. Why are we even doing this? And I think one of the most interesting moments of Bell & Ross history to me, and I'm, I'm jumping around here, of course, is the release of the BR5 watch. Because every watch before it was inspired by some type of thing outside of the watch world, a cockpit cockpit instrument, diving gear, something in a car. And now the BR5 is inspired by other Bell & Ross watches. (laughs) Absolutely. Right? Interesting. Yeah, actually, that's you're perfectly right. It means that, you know, like the birth was really about this passion for aviation. And you had first, you know, like you have all these round watch really, you know, like more the pilot watch. And then there was this move into the inspiration from the cockpit with, you, you know, like the BR1, BR3, which is really a piece of the cockpit put on the wrist. And then you're absolutely right when they move to, you know, like the BR5, the inspiration was as actually, you know, this shape that is very unique to Bill and Ross that we call the round in a, in a square. And to keep, you know, like this unique shape that makes the brand so recognizable, you know, and very unique. And to uh, give to give it, you know, a bit more of a urban, uh, you know, like a, a, a design, and that's actually the BR one that turns into uh, or BR three that turns into a BR five, which make a very unique family, still inspired by the cockpit, but with really, you know, like this twist and making it more of a jewel. So you're right, you know, it's a kind of a move, uh, but still in the background, you still have, you know, in the, in the, in the background, this instrument and, you know, aviation and professional that is behind, but turning to the city. I want to talk about a little bit what it's been like having um, a luxury company operating in Paris over the last couple of years. And again, I just so many things I'm interested in, especially the brand and your role. And I know that hiring uh, and staffing has been, uh, uh, of course, such a, such a necessarily important part, but particularly challenging over the last couple of years. And I want to know from your perspective, I know you've hired people and you probably have yet to hire people. What's it like recruiting people to work at a luxury brand in Paris today? I'm sure it's a little bit different than it was 10 years ago. And I'd love to hear some you know, background uh, information and discussion about the, the reality these days of staffing a company because you can't just be a luxury company you have to be, you know run by people who all understand the vision i'd love to hear about that a little bit uh yes sure um actually you know i i think that there are two things about uh, you know how, uh, recruiting you know like for for bell and ross i mean because of course it's a luxury company but as well there is something pretty uh, special is that the founders you know they are running the company and uh, so it makes it different because it's like you're really joining, you know, um, human adventure, you know, meaning that, you know, the, the, the two guys now that are men, of course, you know, they've been here for a while, you know, we started, you know, like the two of them and build their companies they are still so much involved, so present, you know, like day to day running this business. So it means that it's not, you know, like a very big company. So for people who come and join the companies they are really, you know, like, uh, um, a, uh, uh, part of the story, you know, they are talking to them, they are, you know, like involved, you know, like in this adventure that is live and uh, 
run, you know, by the people who created it. And I think that's really a strength because, you know, people nowadays, they are very much looking for some sense, you know, in their work. And, and when you're in this kind of structure, you know, you really, you have a very big impact first because, you know, when you're in a small company, you know, each person is so key, you know, in the organization, you know, like each role is unique, you know, so, so everybody, you know, is really, um, in like a key, you know, in the org is key in the organization. And so it's really strong impact of any people in the company. And that's, I think that's what people are looking for. So that's, you know, like the strengths, uh, for, you know, like to recruit. And when I, I'm talking about recruitment, I'm main, mainly, you know, talking about, you know, like, uh, engaging, you know, and uh, recruiting the younger, uh, younger population, you know, which is, uh, uh, in a way more demanding, you know, and has lots of expectation. So I would say that, you know, that's what is really, you know, helping, um, uh, to, uh, to attract people, to be, you know, it's for people who want to live an, a kind of adventure, actually. Talk a little bit more about that sense of meaning. I think that's very interesting what you said, where people are looking for a sense of meaning. W what does that mean to you? And what type of meaning do you think that working at Bell & Ross can convey to people? To me, uh, when I talk about meaning, you know, is uh, uh, the meaning is when you you manage to get what you do day to day, what it does bring to the, you know, like to the company, to the whole. And, uh, and when, you know, you are in a lighter, I would say, you know, like structure, you know, or smaller company, uh, it's very easy to see, you know, like what you're bringing to the, to, you know, like to the community in a way, you know, what to the company, what you're bringing. And, uh, and I would say, you know, that's, quite obvious to, to feel it. And, you know, as well, the possibility, you know, to have this, um, discussion with the founders, you know, to, uh, that can, you know, like go and ask people things, you know, so to really, you know, like, uh, uh of course there, there are some hierarchy and some people, but it's very flexible and so on. So, so it means that, you know, like people feel right away, you know, like important, you know, in what they are doing. And I think that's what we would, I would guess, you know, like that's what, that's all about the meaning, you know, it's feeling that, uh, what you do has a sense, you know, and, and is bringing something. What I've noticed about places like watch companies is that the people who work there can wear the product, right? And there's something very different about being able to interact or even own, wear the thing that your company makes or does versus most other companies where you, the product is more vague or it's part of a bigger service or something like that. And And I'm sure you'll agree that when there's an ability to wear or dream of wearing uh, a product that the company makes, there's a sense of understanding and of involvement in the company more so than uh, companies that produce something a little bit more abstract, right? Yes, probably. And actually, you know, for me, I've always been working on products, you know, things that are, you know, like brought to life, life. <laughs> and, and that's right, you know, like starting with me, you know, it's something that has been very strong is that, you know, you work on something and it's coming, it's bring, coming to life. You can see it live and what you develop, you can see it live and all you're doing, you know, like then you can, uh, being, you know, like the communication campaign or whatever, you know, like you move in the street or you pass in front of a, a, a shop and you, you, you see it live, you know, like the communication the product, the whole together. And that's, that's very concrete. So I, 
probably does depend on people, you know, to me, it has always been something very important, you know, to, you know, this kind of touch and feel of, you know, like the creation and the fact that it turns into a real reality. And that's for sure, you know, something that is very concrete, you know, like you're right, you know, we, we have, you know, the chance, you know, like to have a, a word that we can wear from the company. Uh, so you, and you feel as well like an ambassador. So it turns, you know, like really into something that is your part of. Now, I remember listening uh, a couple of months ago. I know that LVMH sent out a letter even to uh, Mr. Macron about the concern that traditional French craftsmanship techniques and the many people that perform these things were sort of going away. Uh, and, and I know that Bell and Ross isn't engaged in traditional leather making and things like that, but a lot of craftsmanship, local craftsmanship, as well as that from other places, Switzerland, of course, is involved with that. Do you notice that there is less uh, uh, maybe uh, people on the craftsmanship and design artistic side these days? Um, or is is there actually still enough available candidates in those types of job categories? So I think there is a change, actually. So there is, because, you know, like there is this... Uh huge dynamic, you know, of the whole luxury, which is really a strength, I think, talking about France, you know, because it's true that we have a major, you know, like a massive, you know, like luxury brands in France, very dynamic. So there is a big need, you know, for uh, for people, you know, and all, you know, like this know-how to, to, to work on them. And it's true that the challenge is that about, you know, like the schools and you know like the fact that you know like the 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 training you know is uh, is adapted to the needs so actually the, what's going on now is that all these uh, companies are creating a, a little in a way you know they are you know the 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 training you know so that people uh, can uh, you know like can develop you know the competencies that are necessary so they they are you know like offsetting uh, a lack <laughs> that there would be, you yeah, know, so like... Yeah, so they're, they're training yeah. new talent now. How are they doing it? Is it apprenticeship? Are they setting up new schools? Is both. There, both. There oh, okay. Are, you know, there is this idea of creating some kind of... Of course, a lot of apprenticeship. That's a very good way, but as well, you know, like some... You know, like almost some school. It's not exactly school, but it's really, you know, like... A, pushing, you know, like uh, for people to do, it's more apprenticeship, meaning that, you know, they are going to hire, to take people and to to train them. And it's on the, over the long haul, so the long time. So, you know, like they are doing that, but it's, uh, uh, and they, and that's something that is, uh, that is being, you know, like run by lots of uh, luxury. Of course we are small, but for the lots of uh, major luxury company, they are doing that to ensure that because they need, you know, like to uh, to have this know-how and these people and uh, and and that they manage to do that and as well, you know, often, you know, like the the factories or the, not the factories but the place where it's being done in is in you know, like in the countryside and you know in small cities and so on. So it's as well, it's almost a political approach because it's maintaining people, you know, in this uh, in these uh, regions. I think it's fascinating personally. Of course, this is the industry I pay attention to, but you know, it's you you have to remember that there needs to be the raw talent for it. And I'm thinking about an issue which has actually been very common in Paris, and I call it the um the the second creative director problem. And what I mean by that is 
you tend to have companies that rally around strong personalities or built around a strong personality. But then when that personality goes away, sometimes unfortunately dies, the second creative director has a very interesting uh, crossroads. And that person says, do I try to pretend like I'm the person who's no longer mm. here? Or can I take the company in a different direction that's satisfying but still feels like the same name belongs to be in the products, right? And, and you see that in Paris every year. There's some situation like that, isn't there? Yes. And, and to me, you know, like to, of course, it's a, of course, it's a very big challenge, but what is, what is key, you know, then, you know, is to have the fundamentals, uh, meaning, you know, like, uh, you know, like the DNA of the brand, the codes, because it's all, you know, like uh, playing and recreating, you know, like both playing with the codes and uh, turning them and create, doing, bringing some creative around that and the story you want to tell about the brand. And as well, when you have brands that are, old, you know, like that have a long history to have this capability, you know, of going back to the history and to uh, making new stories from the stories to make it live, you know, like along the, the time. And if you have, you know, like all these bones, you know, like I would say, you know, of the, of the brand that is being done normally, uh, it's, uh, you know, like it's a way to, um, to, uh, to maintain, you know, like, uh, in a way consistency yet, yet continuing having the creativity because the mix and, and the success of the brand is to mix both, you know, like this, uh, continuity so that, you know, you recognize the brand, but, st but, uh, in the same way to be very creative and to bring some artistic approach. And it's almost part of the art now, you know, luxury brand, they are almost like in the art approach, you know, like in the way they, they they animate and and, and bring the, the brand so of course for I'm, I'm talking more about you know like the luxury as, as a whole because it's true that in the watch industry uh, it's uh, yes oh actually it's a bit of the same actually you know like it's uh, playing you know like with old models and recreating them and making some evolutions and maintaining them up to date and creating some limited editions. So no, actually, you know, it's exactly the same, you know, and that's really about, and, and, you know, doing some partnerships sometimes to create, to, to bring some, you know, like, um, uh, some fresh creativity and, uh, uh, and that's what is maintaining over time. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're interested in this. Well, I mean, obviously it's part of your job, but brands, I think for me is a separate thing to build in addition to the product. And I'm and I and I and I, I'm fascinated by brands. I, I didn't formally go to school for it, but I've been working with brands for so long that I love to talk about it. And I say to companies, you have to put as much effort into building your brand as your product. The product is the thing that people buy, but the brand is what creates the desire. And the yes. brand is like a person. It's like your friend. Absolutely. You have to like them. They have to like you, right? <laughs> You're totally right. And actually, you know, I feel, you know, like as a person, you know, who has been working on brand, a real, you know, like emotional attachment to the brand I've been working on. It's like, <laughs> like you know, sometimes it's like my, my kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird because yes, you're right. And the thing is to grow. I, I'm, I'm doing, you know, this parallel with kids because the brand you have to nourish them, to build them, to grow them, so that you know they're amplified. And the products are, are and then it's a two way, you know, with the products. The product are nourishing the brand, and the brand is nourishing the product. And the idea is that there is, you know, like this two way communication in between the two, so that the 
the two strengthen over time and, and, you know, go and uh, get, uh, you know, like a stronger, bigger, you know, like, like uh, growing kids actually, so that it becomes, you know, an adult and then epanouish, you know, like it's, uh, you're absolutely, I, I like your comparison to human because some, in a way to me, there is this kind of, uh, of yes of div the development like growing the brand you know is making it become you know like uh, uh, an epanouished person for me the metaphor works well in so many contexts for example sometimes when marketing is too aggressive i say imagine the brand is like your friend and some friends they call you only when they want something and then you're like you know i'm not really sure if you're my friend if you only call me when you need something but friends who 80% of the time call you to invite you to something or see how you are or share something with you and maybe once in a while ask you for something. Those are the those are the friends that you want to spend time with. And just like a human friend, a brand friend, especially in today's highly competitive world on social media and everything, has to have a relevance, some value to the person's life other than I'm going to ask you for money again, right? Absolutely. I like it a lot. <laughs> I will I will keep it if you, if you don't mind. Please. You know? Yeah. I think yes, you're you're totally right. Yeah. And and again, going to the human metaphor, and again, this is also very important. When you look at any human out there, there's some people who are gonna like that human and there's some people who aren't. That's just that's just the laws of, of physics, right? Not you can't please everyone. And brands also need to remember that they're not in the business of pleasing everyone. They're in the business of connecting to people who are sympathetic to their personality, right? Uh, yes, and actually on this one, I would uh, elaborate as well, because to me, that's uh, really, you know, you have a uniqueness and that's very strong with Belanoros because it's, you know, like it's very unique and for sure, the brand, you know, is not to please every and to, 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 please, to please and to attract everyone because it's very... You know, like it's very unique with, uh, you know, like the square shape. And of course, it doesn't please anyone. And and I think that's uh, the strength of the brand because people will come to Bell & Ross. There is this uh, universe, you know, and, you know, like all this aviation and the professional uh, uh, background. And that's some people who are going to come to Bell & Ross. They want to, in a way, express their singularities. They don't want to be like everyone. They, you know, they they want to be a kind of a bit original, you know, and to, it's people who are confident and uh, and uh, you know, like self confident, and they they don't need to rely on you know, like on the status brand, and they prefer to have the brand that is you know, like a bit different, original, and for people who know it because it's not as famous as some others. And to me, it's key to nourish you know this uniqueness, and of course, it doesn't mean you can't broaden because you can have some more people interested but just they don't know you but definitely not try to go and grab you know like all around the place because then you are going to lose your uniqueness and if you lose your uniqueness you're weakening your brand yeah i mean brands again people have personalities and with that there's things that that person would say there's things that person wouldn't say and when you violate the expectations that the audience has based upon the brand you've developed, you can confuse them. Brands can change, but only through a retraining process, just like a person 
when they say something unexpected, people don't know how to react. And it's the same thing when a brand comes out with a product, does something, has a new visual, which seems unexpected. It can be shocking, right? Yes. And I would say, you know, that I think yeah, when you have a, a brand that is strong, it doesn't change, it evolves. And that makes a very big difference. And I think to me, you know, like the, the key, you know, for a brand to to grow and to last over time is to evolve, uh, you know, like to have a continuous evolution, to keep, to you know, to, to keep being up to date and so on. But most of the time people, the brand, we need to make, to make, you know, like very, you know, like a change in the bracket, you know, and it's because they are suffering. So it means there is something, you know, that is not completely true to them and they have lost themselves and then try to go back on track. But for, you know, like when you look at the successful brand, they have been very consistent. It doesn't mean being consistent that you don't change. It means you evolve slightly over time. You get, you enrich, you nourish, but, but you, you don't make big changes. Hi, this is Ariel Adams, founder of A Blog to Watch with a message about eBay. I visit eBay daily and have been relying on eBay to learn about and acquire watches for more than 20 years. Did you know that you can now buy watches directly from brands or their authorized dealers on eBay? Timepieces coveted by watch enthusiasts from brands like Zodiac, Loco, Parallel, and more are part of eBay's Certified by Brand program. Here's how it works. Luxury names are partnering with eBay to bring brand new and pre-owned watches and other luxury accessories directly to you. Certified by brand includes a minimum one-year factory warranty for watches and offers an unprecedented selection of new and used watches directly from the source, all with the peace of mind you can expect from eBay. Visit ebay.com slash certified by brand for more information. I want to change topics again to the topic of communication. And this is an interesting area of conflict, actually, in certain traditional elements of the watch industry. And I'd like your opinion on it. I'll explain the issue. There is a mentality that says if you try to communicate something through marketing, it makes you look weak because you don't look as confident in your product. And you should just sort of sit around and let people discover it. But now we know that there's also reality where this strategy, which I just mentioned, might work, but it could take a hundred years. And through some, you know, clever uh, communication, uh, doing it the right way, saying the right messages to the in, in in the right forms at the right times, can accelerate that awareness by <laughs> by a lot. What are what are some of the things you say to those maybe more legacy minded people who are somewhat antagonistic or skeptical about marketing, yet? obviously don't really understand how important it is to, to, to modern brand considerations. Yeah. I, I think, uh, if you, yes, you're right. You know, like the, the, <laughs> the environment has, has changed a lot. There is lots of competition. So it's just, you know, like it's in a way, you know, like this communication is just, you know, like explaining, it's just explaining, you know, what you are, what, you know, in which way you're different and, and, uh, and, and explaining what you stand for. So it's, you know, like just telling, 
expressing, expressing what you are. And if you don't express what you are, people have to, to look into it, to look for something, to get interested and so on. And it, they might, you know, like feel interested about you, but they will never see you. So, so in, you know, like, I think it has always been like that, you know, and I think the only difference from, you know, like now, you know, we are such in a communication world regarding to the past is just that the, um, you need to be stronger and more unique and clever because, you know, there are so much noise around and it was less the case in the past and it was different, you know, angles, although it's a bit coming back, I think, to the influence. And I think that at the birth of the brand, you know, like back uh, two, two uh, centuries ago, it was about influence. You know, when you look at the luxury brand, that's very interesting. You know, they were in, you know, in the royal court and, uh, and that was, you know, like traveling around the world. It was international. And, uh, and then, you know, it gave, you know, interest, you know, over time to, you know, like the rest of the people progressively when, uh, you know, like uh, they started started, you know, like uh, getting in, uh, in the uh, aware of that. And, and the mechanism has always been the same, the only, and it was about, you know, like giving some, uh, explaining and, and as well, I would say it's about letting know, but as well, bringing some dream. And it has always been about dream, you know, like, and uh, quality, dream and quality. And, uh, and the only difference is that now, you know, you need to have a more kind of stronger communication and lots of different means of communication to make 360 so that people can see you because there are so many people around. But I don't think that has be, it has changed. It's just, you know, like, uh, it needs to be in a way it's more, probably more difficult now because it's uh, so, so crowded. You know, even when I started yeah. working, you know, like uh, decades ago, you know, there were far less, you know, like communication means and uh, and, uh, so, uh, and advertising and so on. So, you know, you knew all the advertising, you could sing the advertising and now it's more of a challenge. You know, nobody remembers the claim and things like that. But before, you know, there were less, so everybody knew them and it was it was part, you know, on the, on the memory of everybody. So I, I think that it didn't change. It's just more complicated now <laughs> probably to it, it definitely is um but it's interesting that there's still a misunderstanding often about what a what a company's communication obligations are and i call them obligations because i think that when you have a story you must take steps to tell that story and there's obviously various ways you have to do that by first producing the story and then distributing the story and then attracting people to the story but there's still is so much storytelling that is not told. Necessary storytelling, in my opinion, because as you know, the difference between a watch you're willing to pay $1,000 for and one you're willing to pay $50,000 for is, is not the value of the metal, but it's the value of the story that comes attached to it, right? Absolutely. And that's the, diff the most difficult part of it. And you can, you know, when you join a company, you know, most of, I've noticed that, you know, you, you know, you know, the brand, you, you would say, you know, from a kind of, uh, uh, like, everybody, you know, like the level of awareness and knowing of the brand. And then you start, you join the company and you start diving into all the stories and, and, you know, like then, you know, like you're amazed and you say, no, it's crazy. We, we should tell this story to people, you know, they would be very interested and it would completely change, you know, like what they think. But the big challenge now, you know, is to, to manage to, 
to tell the story and to have people, you know, listening to it and to capture their attention. And, and that's, you're, you're, you're right. It's the, the most difficult part. But, and, and you can see when you have some brand lovers and, uh, you know, like these people, you know, they really, uh, know the story and they tell the story and they, and they become the best ambassadors for the brands, you know, these people, because they are passionate and it's all about passion in, in the story you're telling, you know, and, and, um, and we love stories, actually. We love storytelling, you know, from uh, since we were kids, you know, we start, you know, like with a story before sleeping. So we like, you know, all this storytelling. The, the only thing is is to manage to pass it through. And that's what we come back to where we were. It's like there is very little at- attention and people, you know, move very fast from one thing to the other. So managing to tell the story and first, it's a, it's an art in a way, you know, to tell the story, to capture the attention, and uh, so that people, you know, can can join, uh, can, you know, can 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 join, you know, like the 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 brand and uh, and uh, become. But that's you know that's our target, and the thing is uh, how to make it. And the advertising is a ways is is the is the art of uh, communication and advertising is making you know like the message and the storytelling very sharp so that people get get what you mean in a very short time so let's let's actually talk a little bit about bell and ross marketing because you know i've thought to myself you know what is like the elevator slogan for bell and ross like if i'm telling a new watch lover very quickly what bell and ross is it's actually really difficult to do and the thing that keeps coming to my mind is this is the design lovers watch brand. This is for people who love to take designs and themes and refine them in, you know, as attractive and as coherent a way as possible. And for other design lovers, you know, it's, it's, it's some of the most intellectual design exercises, completely extending an entire brand around the world of horology even though the brand is really about these these objects that you can wear, um, but even that's too long, right? Like, tell me what is your what is your short summary of of the the unique personality of this Bell and Ross? Because it is a very hard question for me. Yes, you're right. You know, like Bell and Ross, it's a mix of. Uh design but still you know this um, inspiration and aviation which is bringing you know to uh, to the instruments the robustness and you know the boldness as well so it's a mix of all of that uh, but it's true that it's not an easy one you know like <laughs> I'm I'm still looking you know like uh, to uh, you know like the the line to really summarize you know in a, in a few few words uh but it's it's hard yeah it's hard (laughs) it's hard because you have these two legs actually of both aviation and design and you know like uh, balancing because it's a mix of both and uh, they are carrying each of them are carrying some values well i i have to say this this is important for me because there's there is a classification of watch lover who feels that for a brand to have real legitimacy it had to start out making these as tools for the original purpose. And they give no credence to newer companies that just, you know, by virtue of being newer, passed the era when a mechanical chronograph was, you know, the, the thing for a pilot to wear. And so what I try to do is I try to say to those people, how do I make the brand legitimate today? Because the, the brand formed as a design exercise being, these are beautiful objects to wear, 
people want more of these and they want them to match their lives today. They don't want to just go out and buy antiques. Let's make more of these for people today. The, the origin of the brand has a different sensibility than some of the more historic ones. So I think about a story that creates as much legitimacy as, you know, we made watches for soldiers in World War II. You know what I mean? Yes. And you're right, because, you know, if you look at the driver, you know, for purchase, you know, like the first, apart from the price, of course, which is, you know, where you want to, <laughs> your kind of level of, of price you want to, to pay. But the first, you know, like driver is a, the design. That's why, you know, like the, the entry point is the design. You know, when you look for, uh, uh, you know, you look for a, a watch, you know, that's what people are looking for. And that's what is, uh, you know, like uh, taking their heart in a way, because, you know, that's someone, something you're carrying and you look at X time of day, you know. So, and I know in a way, you know, to me, you know, you choose a, a Bell and Ross when you want to stand out. For me... The Bell and Ross is actually one of the most polite ways of standing out because this industry affords people lots of, you know, much more flamboyant or, you know, maybe less tasteful ways of standing out. So you're definitely right. But don't you agree that there's a, a sort of civil uh, diplomacy about standing out that's in, in, in part of the brand? Yes, I would say, you know, it's, an, uh, it's in a non-ostentatious way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Even though there's some crazy crystal watches with skulls, yes, right? <laughs> the yes, brand has that. They are never, they are never ostentatious. <laughs> Even no, when you very, take as a, the, you know, they're you serious. They're serious, and they're you know they're collected. Yeah. So so yes, of course, because you have some that are you know like more crazy or but this idea of uh, of you know like feeling distinctive but not being ostentatious to me is a. Uh, really something about, you know, like, uh, you know, like the uniqueness of Bell and Ross and you're right. And, and behind you have, you're right. You have all this background, you know, of this, you know, like this, uh, uh, utilitarian watch that is behind it, you know, like, which is, you know, like when you come I mean, to the story and, uh, mm. I, I have less experience with Bruno than I have with Carlos, but I've, I mean, Carlos and I've had, you know, hundreds of conversations at this point. And I've always imagined this. He he likes dressing up. He's he's a fashionable guy, and he likes making watches to match his outfits. And he has a whole broad range of like costumes, so to say, he likes to wear. And I feel like that's sometimes part of his motivation. He's like, I like to feel this way someday. I need to have a watch to go with that. And and for me, that's like again, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to be the the origin of many of these uh, designs. Yes and no, because, you know, um, <laughs> he can, you know, he can, you know, like orientate, you know, like, but really it's, uh, uh, it's really Bruno, you know, with, um, uh, with, you know, like, uh, has, you oh, he know, does like the a, visual, he does the visual. Yes, he does the visual. So of course you can have, you know, like, and you're, you're right, you know, for instance, if you, uh, if you take, for instance, the uh, edition limitada for last year, you know, like the BR5 edition limitada, that's so much of a uh, Carlos watch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, with, you know, like the, uh, the inspiration, uh, around, you know, like cigar and so on. That's definitely, uh, it's, it's Carlos inspiration. So of course, you know, like you have some inspiration coming from Carlos, but as well, a lot, you know, coming from, uh, from Bruno and, um, and, you know, and, and I think that's what is interesting as well, you know, is that anyway, you need to have lots of creativity and uh, rethinking, you know, and always bringing some new creativity. And of course you have a kind of line, but it's important to bring some, you know, like some, uh, outside st 
stuff, you know, as well to nourish that are complementary and will enrich the story yet keeping your line. And that's, uh, you know, like this kind of edition limitada. It's a bit apart, but yet, you know, it's bringing lifestyle. It's bringing an interesting feeling as well, you know, and uh, to the brand, but it doesn't, uh, but over time, you know, it remains, you know, like you, you keep, you know, like your balance spirit and you don't lose it. But it's interesting to have these, uh, these small, you know, like sidewalks, you know, so that, uh, so that the brand is not, because the challenge, you know, and uh, as I told you, you know, is to, to have this consistency, but yet, not becoming boring, you know, you need to bring the creativity and some craziness sometimes as well, you know, like with some crazy watch or things like that, you know, that are going to, to, uh, to as well, uh, keep, you know, like the, the brand live, you know, it's like when you do the parallel with people, you know, you can, uh, you can, you, you can be, uh, you know, like a serious person, but it, does, it doesn't mean that you are not going at some, some point, you know, to do some crazy things, uh, you know, like from, from time to time, you know, or to, uh, or so suddenly, you know, to be, so, you know, to be unexpected and things like that. And I think that's uh, uh, things that, that is still in the parallel you are doing, you know, like with the human part of the brand. Uh, thank you for that. And I'm just reflecting on my own thoughts. What I like about the brand is that when Carlos and Bruno conceive a product, they they're not constrained by any aesthetic. They simply want to have a personality. For example, they'll be like, I want to make a really cool pilot watch. They can go in any direction they want to. That can mean anything, but they seem to have these sort of relatively broad briefs that they, they work within. And that's why I think beauty is such a big part of the deal because I, I said this to people a long time ago. Maybe I'd say it differently now, but I said that Bell and Ross are very pretty men's watches, right? In the sense that they are men's watches, but there's such a focus on symmetry, the right colors, you know, the right materials and things like that, that there's obviously a huge beauty element. And there are a lot of other men's watches that are pretty, but sometimes they're pretty like by accident or for way much more money. And <laughs> that's, what, you know what I mean? Like, it's yes. like, yes, it's going to look like an off-road vehicle. I know you're not going off-road and it's going to look really sexy on the streets, Bell and Ross. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thought. Yes, definitely. And that's where, you know, like I told you, you know, like the... You know, like uh, the design and, you know, like the aesthetic is really uh, central and the finishing touch, you know, like to ensure, you know, like, uh, you know, like that there is a, no room, you know, like if it's not perfect, you know, like it's not going to go out, you know, it needs to be, you know, like really finalized, you know, perfect. And then it's going out. And so you have this, this uh, demanding approach, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, of design that is really present and that's what you translate, you know, into this, uh, the, I don't remember the word you were saying, you know, but it's with the aesthetic, you know, like that is consistent. Hmm. Changing questions again, Bell and Ross over the years has released watches at a broad spectrum of price points from just over a thousand dollars to of course, you know, tourbillons and things like that. My question is, is that given today's market and where you think things are going, what do you feel are going to be some of the better price points, the wiser price points for the brand? I know, of course, that's a little bit outside of your department, but obviously a big part of it is, you know, who are the consumers you're talking to? What price points are, are they buying at? Where do you feel in the next five years are going to be some of the more important price points, averages for Bell & Ross? 
Yes, but actually, you know, there is a move that has already started on the brand and you might have noticed it, you know, like over the past uh, past years. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the brand is moving towards a higher price point, you know, increasing as well. You know, there is the evolution of the movement, you know, the integration of the Kennedy movement in the Bear X5. The Bear X5, you know, that is uh, the Bear the Bear 05 already, you know, is a higher price point than the Bear 03. And then you have yeah. the beer X5. So if you look, you know, like the average price of the Bell and Ross, you know, it's definitely has gone up, you know, like with, uh, you, you know, the, at some point we used to have some quartz and that's, you know, like there are a few still on the market, but you know, it's really mechanical now. And, um, and there is, there is a move toward, to, toward a higher price point, uh, that is, you know, like uh, a whole evolution of the brand and the quality and the, you know, like the, the, the brand that is getting stronger as well. It's a whole, you know, like no, all, all that together, you know, and, uh, uh, and so, so, so you're, so you're right, you know, like we used to have, you know, like I almost, I would say, you know, for luxury brand, you know, access uh, price and then a few very high, uh, you know, because you had a few turbillons, so very, very high level and then you know like it was a very uh, big stretch and the the evolution is more you know like uh, to be let's say between five and ten k k euro let's say or dollar whatever uh, to be more you know like in this bracket with you know like still with you know like some high, some uh, you know like more unique watch higher price Uh, but but there is a slide, and that's as well going, you know, like with um, the the clients and the expectation, where actually, you know, like uh, uh, the there is a move, you know, towards higher, you know, higher quality, higher hand. Uh, uh, so so you know, it's a mix, you know, of of the evolution, you know, like of the of the market, and together with the evolution and the growing of the brand as well, you know, as we are saying, you know, like you're growing the brand and and the idea was to strengthen the brand is now always, uh, uh, you know, like the quality, all this stuff, you know, then you, you, can, you can go up and that's, you know, like the way. So with different price points have come, of course, comes, you know, slightly different customers and things like that. And each type of customer needs to be communicated to differently. With the direction that Bell and Ross is moving in, talk a little bit about some of the ways that the messaging might be enhanced, evolved, as you said, added to uh, to support um, the 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 you know evolving nature of the brand. Yes, but uh, you know, like that's and and that's where once again you have the mix of the brand and the product, and you know, like uh, the the launch of the first the BR5 and then the Bear X5 is, you know, going into that direction, meaning that, you know, you are bringing some uh, words that are still, you know, of course, the background, and we were talking, you know, like about the uniqueness of the shape and so on, but that are becoming more jewel watch, you know, with higher quality movement. And then you start having, you know, a message and a design and, you know, like a whole together that is as well more attracted to this kind of population. So you're slightly, you know, like, enlarging as well, you know, like the, the target because the uh, BR3, you know, like these instruments, the time instruments, you know, really with uh, aviation inspiration, they are very unique, but they are targeting, you know, certain certain people. The Bear, the Bear 5, Bear X5, you know, is an integrated bracelet that are more urban. 
they are targeting a you know in a way you know like they are they can please a larger crowd yet you know like who would be interested in Abel and Ross but it's it's broader it's broader so it's a mix of both you know like of course the brand expression the uniqueness of the brand expression but yet with the product that is as well uh, interesting you know a different crowd as well. Talk a little bit about the buying process. I know that for so many brands right now, uh, they're experimenting with direct-to-consumer. They have been experimenting a long time. Of course, wholesale is important for many people. But at the end of the day, there needs to be a buying process that is on brand, that feels good, that consumers want to participate in. And, and I know that Bell & Ross, of course, is also diversified. But talk about the buying process that you want for people who are buying the product over the next couple of years? Where do you want them to buy the bot? How do you want them to feel? And how might it be different than, than how it is today? Uh, not sure it's going to be necessarily very different. You know, I think, you know, like the what has really come, you know, like into the, the buying process, you know, is this mix of, you know, like digital and physical of, you know, like uh, getting to learn because, you know, like, uh, you have all this information, you know, on the website and you can see all the details, the product, all the range. And then when you go, you know, like to, you know, like to wholesale, you know, like then, you know, you will have, you will have, you know, like various brand, not necessarily the whole range. So, you know, like, but then you will have, of course, the advice and, and, you know, like the discussion and, uh, you know, like, and this interaction that is uh, complementary. Of course, we are in a, in a way of developing our retail as well, because, you know, like you were telling, you know, the strength of the retail is that, uh, of course, because people are dedicated to the brand, they can tell more about the story. You can dive into the brand universe. You have, you know, like broader uh, range product and of course it's enriching but it's complementary and uh, and we you know like we have a few you know like boutique around the world but of course you know the idea is to still develop some you know in key cities and so on because this is bringing the the strengths but we don't necessarily see um, a very uh, significant change you know in the in the whole process you know it's really mixing and giving the opportunity for the client to, uh, to get to know the brand through the different medium and to have, you know, like either, you know, like the digital discussion. So, of course, it's to enrich the experience on the website and to, to enrich the website to, to make it as, uh, you know, like as complete as possible so that, you know, like the person can really uh, get to know the brand, the product and, you know, like have all these things. And on the other side, you know, like still, you know, having people coming, trying the watch, uh, live, you know, because you still, you know, it's still engaging. So uh, then, of course, it depends on countries, nationalities, the behavior are different in the different countries and the need for, you know, like uh, physical is different. But uh, it's really optimizing a bit, you know, like the move between uh, physical and digital and uh, and uh, and the mix of uh, use of, uh, of booths to please everyone and to enrich it. And actually, I think we were, you know, there is this stress over some time when digital arrive about the luxury experience. But as you were saying, you know, the strength of the digital is that it's in a way helping to bring the story to life. It reminds me what you're saying, and I agree with you, when you remember early on, brands had those flash-based websites that you couldn't navigate but were amazing to look at. Yeah. And they really focused on these like very elaborate presentations that had graphics and cool stuff. And it's sort of what you talked about where the experience online should take advantage of the multimedia possible and 
give a nice experience so that by the time you get to the retail uh, setting, you are, you know, most of the direction there. You're you're very open minded to buying. You're 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 willing to to consider purchasing if you're treated well and the product, you know, looks good on and feels good on you. Um, I, I I agree. We have time for one more question, and that has to do with where you get information to learn about what's going on with the consumer. I'm just curious. I mean, you need to know, you know, what's going on with the people who are buying Bell & Ross watches now. You want to know what's going on with the people who you'd like to be buying Bell & Ross watches. Where do you go for information uh, to learn about the types of people that that are the existing clients and that you'd like to be uh, potential clients? Yes, that's uh, that's kind of a challenge. So we have different ways, you know. So uh, we've done some, you know, like uh, research, you know, like uh, I would say, you know, in a way, you know, with a with a client base, or let's say, you know, like the people interested with the brand. There are some external research as well that are bringing, you know, like uh, more general, you know, information, uh, you know, like on the behavior and so on, and uh, so. It's, as well, you know, I, I, and then as well, I did some, you know, like one-to-one -one interviews as well, you know, like with our clients, some clients, you know, to get, because they are in contact, direct yeah. contact as well with, uh, with, you know, like the, the consumers. So to have, you know, like to have perception, feedback and with a few, you know, like people who are passionate about the brands, you know, some bloggers and something like that, which are bringing as well some insights. So I try, you know, like to mix all these sources of information to strengthen my, understanding you know on uh, behavior expectation and uh, and to be more you know like relevant to uh, to what people expect and to to orient it you know in the in the right direction thank you i think that's obviously really important part of your job you know speaking with the people all the time is what you and everyone at brands need to be doing it's what i do all the time um that's where we learn so much Marie Lord, this has been a, an incredible conversation. We'll have to chat more. Um, everyone, I encourage you to go to the Bell & Ross website. Um, and my guest has been uh, Marie Lord Trichard, the Global Marketing Communication Director of Bell & Ross. Marie Lord, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Ayan. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Superlative Podcast. This show relies on support from you, the audience. Please subscribe, review, and share Superlative with your friends. To get the latest watch news and enthusiast commentary, also listen to the Blog to Watch weekly podcast. For show ideas, comments, or business, please contact us at podcasts at a blogtowatch.com.